Hello, <laughs> friends. We are back up in the treehouse on a beautiful day. We are squeezed in here with biscuits and coffee. Mm. And we are so happy to be back on this episode. We just got back from an awesome conference called Catalyst. Um, and it was incredible. Yeah, today is actually brought to you by sobriety because we had an event last night um, at Chicken Charlie's, which was awesome, but we all consumed a lot of fried foods. Yes. And like this morning, I couldn't even fathom drinking a mimosa. I was just, no. (laughs) So having some coffee (laughs) with fancy creamer. I'm like a beige, beige colored coffee type of person. Yeah, me too. For you listeners, you can picture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know Ryan... I'm blackity black. Yes. Ryan yep. likes his coffee black. Yeah. I'm all beige as well. Yes. Light beige. Light beige, yeah. How yeah. Medium no, beige. I'm a, yeah, more chocolate color. Medium beige for me. <laughs> I think some bacon-wrapped meatballs that we had at Chicken Charlie's last night with this black coffee would be amazing. And that event was so good. Was so, so many fun. people came out. Thank you all to everyone who could attend the goodness of just a party for the sake of community and enjoying life together. It was so good. That's right. So this morning we are going to um, tackle a topic that we've actually been discussing as a team for quite a while now. Um, if you've been following along on this journey, you know that at Uncommon Good, part of what we are trying to do is to reclaim some truths and to reframe some thinking about life, faith, and being human. And this morning, we want to kind of reclaim and reframe some things for you about the B-I-B-L-E. Oh, yes. Cody just whacked his head on the mic. So if you heard a bump and a thump while you were driving, it was not your car. It was Cody's cranium. So this topic actually has been something we've been talking about because on this journey, we've had so many people um, approach us that have issue with the Bible for any number of valid reasons. And the thing that is so interesting about the Bible um, is that most of us have used it as the basis for our faith, right? Um, we we heard Andy Stanley speak on this topic this weekend or last week at the at Catalyst. And this is so true. He said, if you ask somebody why they believe in Jesus, why they believe that Jesus is the son of God, what's their answer? Go ahead and answer that in your head, in your car. Or you could be the one talking out loud to yourself and other people are watching. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, It'd be fun if you were in the grocery store doing that too. (laughs) It's the Bible, right? Like that's the reason we claim for our faith, um, which can pose all sorts of problems if we don't understand what the Bible is. Or how to read it. Or what's even inside. Like how many of us grew up at some point somewhere with either a parent or an authority figure of some sort saying, well, the Bible says, Mm -hmm. and they used it for behavior modification. Or Mm -hmm. show me where it says that in the Bible. Right. And if you were that kid who said that, you ended up in the office, right? So, (laughs) or or in your room, right? So when... There has been a a use of the Bible that says, well, the Bible says it, so that settles it, mm-hmm. no question to ask. Yeah. And that actually does some damage to our faith in the long run. We use the Bible to end conversations these days, mm. right? Yep. Um, the Bible said 
period, end of story. Um, when in actuality, um, two things are actually true about the Bible historically. One, I love that um, Hebrews, the, not the book of Hebrews, but Hebrew people um, originally and even today, they use the scriptures to engage. They use it to lean in and to wrestle. There is no, the Bible says this end of story. It's the Bible is a starting point for conversation, not an ending to the conversation. It's a, yeah, like a passage to be read and then to ask questions of and to people engage in different interpretations of, and the community then brings meaning to it. Not just an authoritative figure from a stage or from a book that says, this is what it says. That's it. Right. And That's I've been, true. I've been thinking about what Bruce said in our last podcast about some people want to take the Bible literally and some people want to take it seriously. And I've been thinking about that the wow. last few weeks because I had a little bit of issue with, uh, well, yeah, we should take the Bible seriously. But really, if we're doing the Bible justice, we're looking at what it what it means, what the author intended, what the context is, what the history is. And that's taking it seriously to me rather than just saying, well, these are what the words say and you take it at face value. Right. I know we just heard, I don't know if it was our readings, our podcasts, our speakers, I don't know. But the other way to say that is to not just take the Bible literally, but take it literately. And that's what you Mm. just said by understanding the genre, the purpose, Mm -hmm. the audience, the writer, the context. And that brings such a deeper meaning. Right. Because unfortunately, slash fortunately for us today, we receive the Bible bound as a book and it's like one piece, right? And so when we approach the Bible, a lot of times we open it like a book and we expect that we can read it page one to conclusion like a book, Mm -hmm. right? That it's all the same. It's all the same thing. But in reality, the Bible is a compilation of all sorts of different books from different genres, right? You have narrative, you have history, you have letters written to actual people, you have poetry, poetry, you have um, origin stories, right? And so if you read, uh, if you read an origin story and you expect that you're reading that as history, you might be confused. Mm -hmm. You might have some issue with that given the light of science shed on some of those things. If you read um, poetry as history, that's super confusing. Really thrown off. (laughs) Super confusing. Or poetry as science, which has tried to be done with the Bible so often. That's right. That's going to send you to a weird world. That's right. And so you, you cannot read, if you take nothing away from this podcast today, except that you can't read the Bible as one work, you have to understand the different genres that you're reading. It's like if you try to open Aesop's fables, okay, nobody that is listening, crucify me for comparing the Bible to Aesop's fables, but it's for an illustration. If you were going to read Aesop's fables, the Bible of fable. <laughs> pray for her. Please, please pray for me. I can take it all. If you read Aesop, if you read Aesop's fables to your children growing up, and then they expected that wolves actually dressed up as grandmas to surprise young girls, then that would be a very confusing way to view <laughs> history and science, right? So there's yes. that. Yeah. Very confusing. You remind me. So at one point, I remember I was a summer camp student. I was in high school, and I got to see a summer camp theologically explode because of a surprising speaker. And this is what happened. 
we were, um, you know, going to a Christian summer camp and you have, you know, you have your games all day and you have your speaker at night and you did some worship songs in the speaker. He came out, remember this moment, no idea who he was. Um, at, I don't remember anyways. And, uh, he was, he was making a point that it is not a Bible that we worship. It is mm-hmm. a, a God, the creator of the universe that we worship. And I remember he took his Bible and he put it on the ground and he stood on it and said, it's not about the book. And he jumped on it. And <laughs> wow. as a, as a student, I was like going, oh, oh. you're so right. Like, but this makes me uncomfortable because (laughs) some people have treated it so well. Like you don't, you don't even put it in the bottom of your duffel bag. You have to put it on the top of your duffel bag or you carry it because you treat the Bible like God. And I remember the conversations that night, like the pastor, the youth pastor that I was under was totally upset. Many people were upset and they thought he made the point too strong. They all agreed that it was about a relationship with Jesus, (laughs) not about a book, but man, they messed with the book. And all of a sudden it revealed mm-hmm. perhaps an idolatry of 66 books we call the Bible that really threw people for a spin. And I think it was a healthy spin um, to question where is people's faith? Yeah. Um, and we heard some of that this last week, that the, the faith is not in a ancient compilation of 66 books over 1,500 years. It, the faith is in the God behind it all that brings out mm-hmm. a narrative of a love of humanity, of breathing God's image into humanity, mm-hmm. a save for humanity through Jesus and a revelation of who God is through Jesus. And what does that mean for us? Um, that's the faith side. It's not the book, but we get them wrapped up a lot. Mm-hmm. We do. And the other crucial thing I think in this conversation, one, we have a whole bunch of people who don't understand how to read the Bible. Two, we forget that actually for like the first four or 500 years and even beyond that, really, nobody had access to a Bible. There was no Bible. So there, there was nobody walking around in the early days trying to convert people by saying, well, the Bible says, well, look here, the Bible says that that wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. People saw something and they had they couldn't explain it and they had to share the difference that that thing did in their life it wasn't about mm-hmm. a book it was about a personal experience with the living god it's about the fact that they saw something they couldn't explain and they were compelled to share that story so tell us about the something what the was something? the something that they so the something that they saw, and I love how um, Andy Stanley put this this last week. The something was a man who predicted his own death and resurrection and then pulled it off. <laughs> Boom. That was the something. Like, so somebody predicted their own death and resurrection and then it happened. And you might say, well, how do we know that except for the Bible? Well, a, there's all sorts of extra literature that's not inclu- his- historical literature that's not included in the Bible that you could get into if you enjoy apologetics and all of that. But also the reality is that a lot of these stories have been included in the Bible because they were the best first accounts of what happened. So that was the thing. Mm-hmm. That, that was, was the, the event. Mm-hmm. And 
they weren't walking around with a book to prove it all. Say, read this book. It just tells you. They're saying, this is what I saw. And what we know from that turn of history, that first 400 years from Christ to Roman Empire, right, um, where Alexander the Great and all, all of that came to say, there's a Christian nation. Now we have the Bible. Now this is what it is. Um, the turn of history was because of a people who believed in that event of Jesus Christ resurrected, which is what we're going to soon talk about at Easter. Mm-hmm. Um, and they not only went out and told everyone about it, but they were willing to die for it. Yeah. And they were willing to die to protect those earliest accounts. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there people were actively trying to get rid of as much Christian literature. I mean, these were a weird, random bunch of people. This kind of offshoot of the Jewish faith that was kind of being squeezed between Jewishness and the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. And both sides wanted them eradicated. It's a strong word, but... It's a good one. It's a good yeah. one. It's the truth. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> um, and... It was because of this thing that they saw. It's because of what they experienced that they refused to let it go. It's not because the Bible said anything. Because the Bible wasn't there. So yeah. what about in this conversation? And then, Pam, I want to hear, hear what's on your heart from, from this conversation. Um, so 2 Timothy, all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is inspired and useful for teaching and rebuking and and correcting and, and all that. So are you saying that all scripture is, if it's God breathed, isn't it divine? What's, are you questioning the divinity of the Bible when you say it's not about the Bible? No, (laughs) no, because I know some of our listeners are going to hear that, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, They're going to feel it as a disrespect of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to hear that not even not even the slightest blip of a plant of a pen was not planned by God and it's right. all inspired. So how do so, we mesh? Yeah, there's so much on that on that question. We could talk forever. Mm-hmm. But a, a sure overview is basically I think that the Bible is God inspired. I think the Bible is God doing what God has always done, which is working through imperfect people to tell his big story of what he has been doing and is doing in this world. However, it was also written to a specific people in a specific time at a specific place in history. And it is impossible. I think impossible to read the Bible, quote unquote, literally without understanding what it meant to the people that it was written to. We can't understand what it means for us if we don't understand what it meant to the people that it was originally written to and written for. And that's where we get in all sorts of trouble. So often we will get a single verse or several verses applied to us today without what it meant to Mm -hmm. be under the Roman empire at that time. Right. Right. And, um, and we can go all kinds of places with that. Good can come out of that, but a lot of bad can come out of that too. And what we, what we can end up doing when we just get slapped with a verse out of context is we put faith in a random verse without understanding right. the overall narrative of Scripture, right? Um, Pam, what, 
So how did this hit you? <laughs> lots and thoughts, um, especially coming from a, you know, a little bit more of a layman's perspective and not having been to seminary or Bible college. Um, I think uh, what we were talking about with, you know, the the Gospels of the Bible that um, people lean on them and say they're important because they're in the Bible, but the truth is they are in the Bible because they're important. And then that context of like that they, you know, they were written down as accounts of what went on because that all of that movement had to be documented and that they were willing to die for that, what they saw and what they believed and for the movement. And so, um, going back to what Andy Stanley had, you know, given us his, his genius catalyst, um, I think when we, especially as a layman, when we are able to just like pull out little parts and pieces of the Bible, um, you know, we can easily fall on our face in an, in an argument and when somebody is trying to pick it apart. And then that's, you know, they're so quick to point fingers like, oh, well, see it. You know, the Bible says this and the Bible says that. And and if we are leaning so much on what the Bible says instead of what our faith actually means, like what's the why? You know, we talk about that so much now in terms of like, you know, just people's passions for their lives. What's, what's the why? So if we are not listening to what's the why behind it, and we're just trying to pull little parts and pieces out of, you know, historical documents or poetry or origin stories, we're, we're not grasping what, what the movement is about, or we're not able to explain it, which is, which is worse. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite um, examples of the importance of this um, actually comes from Bruce and I've quoted it so many times. Um, because the Bible is grounded in history, in culture, without doing that hermeneutical work. <laughs> um, you guys missed, that again? You missed the hand gesture wow. where she pushed her fake nerdy glasses up on her nose, just so you understand wait, wait the picture second. of Don saying hermeneutical. <laughs> Can we just get a definition of that large word, Don? Uh, what? Yeah, what is the definition of that word? <laughs> Hermeneutical is like the the study the, the okay. Let me explain. I can explain in context without a definition. The, to do the hermeneutical work, it means to um un, it be, means to understand what it meant, understand historically, culturally, to kind of dig in um to the original text in its original context, and then to drag that truth back into our time, our culture, our space and say, if it meant this for them, what does it mean for us? Yeah. Um, there's so much that we miss if we don't do that. And mm -hmm. um, the example Bruce always gave was of a wedding, right? If you, if I was telling a story and I said, um, there was people gathered in a large church, a woman dressed in white stood at the entrance of the church. A man in a tuxedo stood at the front of the church and the woman's father escorted her down without telling you it was a wedding. You would automatically picture a wedding because it's so ingrained in our cultural identity. That is true for things that happened in the Bible, but we don't initially get that, that ping, that picture of what the Bible is referencing without doing some of that work. So that's why hermeneutical work is important. <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 ding. I don't have my bell today. Sorry. That's all right. That's okay. It's disappointing. So what does this mean for uncommon good? Why are we talking about this? 
I'll tell you why from a story this weekend. So you all know that I flew up to the Bay Area to do a memorial service for a young man who passed away all too early, um, who got wrapped up in addiction and depression and isolation. And um, I got to be his youth pastor when he was 11, 12, 13 years old. Amazing young man, full of just like, Joy and a sensitive heart, just incredible. Um, at 11, 12, 13, he had quite the journey through high school, college, and post-college to lead to an overdose. And uh, in the last few months of, of his life, he actually returned. He had some time to return to opening the pages of the gospel that he had heard as a, as a, as a young boy and believed in that. Um, he reinvestigated and reopened the book of Matthew. He's like, all right, um, I'm just going to open up the book of Matthew and return and kind of revisit who this Jesus is. He read Matthew, and then he read Mark, and then he read Luke, and then he read John, and it reopened and revisited and made more real the faith that he had had so early on. And I think the power of doing that is because he moved from a secondhand understanding of who Jesus is I heard someone say, so I'm going to believe it, or I heard this on the radio, or I heard a friend say this about God, so I'm going to believe it. He was like, I'm going to find out. I'm going to go to the source. I'm going to read it myself, and I'm going to have a conversation with God while I read these things called the Gospels Mm -hmm. and ask myself, who is Jesus and who is Jesus to me? And he did that in the last few months of his life and uh, regained or perhaps revisited and had made more real for the first time a real relationship with Jesus of the Gospels because it was a firsthand faith. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons why I was excited about this conversation is I hope that we're a catalyst for people to go and investigate a firsthand faith in the God of the Scriptures, right. in Jesus that the Scriptures talk about mm-hmm. and the Scriptures aren't there to make you idolize and worship Scriptures. Right. The Bible is there to make introduce you to Jesus who is God revealed and speaks into our whole why and purpose of life. And if you can't start with a man that was swallowed by a fish and then spit up on land and you can't make sense of that in your head, don't worry about it. Don't start there. <laughs> don't start there. Start, yeah. start in the Gospels. Start with yeah. Jesus. Um, dig in there and have that be the beginning of your journey. I think one of the reasons why this conversation is important in my perspective for uncommon good is because we are committed to figuring out how to reclaim faith for the next generations. Mm -hmm. And if that means helping people gain a healthy understanding of the Bible that looks and feels differently than the faith that we were handed I, we need to do that. Mm-hmm. Like there, to me, there is nothing more important than helping to reinterpret who Jesus was and what he did for our current culture. There's no sacred cows, right? Like the only thing is the event. The only thing is the death and res- a guy who predicted his own death and resurrection and then pulled it off. And then how that sparked a movement. And if you have this weird sense of the Bible, like I just, I I don't know what to do with it. That's okay. Start with the event. Start with the guy who predicted his own death and resurrection and pulled it off 
and lean in and start asking questions because here's the other thing. Your faith doesn't have to be fragile. It's not like this thing that we save in a China cabinet because growing up, that's where mom put all the really breakable, expensive things so that you didn't hit them with a ball. Like that's not faith. Faith can be poked and pushed on and, and prodded and picked apart and be stronger for it. So lean in, dig Mm -hmm. in and Mm -hmm. push on that faith a little bit. Ask questions and Mm -hmm. wrestle, send them to us. We'll form events around it. We'll spark those conversations in the community. We isn't, (laughs) I remember at one point that I felt it was a decision between Jesus and evolution. And I found out (laughs) a great way to partner the two in a beautiful dance. Yeah. Right. And my understanding now of scripture is far wider and, and more deep and ties great with all the science that I studied growing up. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But at some point someone told me I had to choose and honestly they were wrong. Because the Bible Mm -hmm. says, Mm -hmm. right. Question. I know we're, I know we're almost out of time, but can I just share like, for me, pers- this has been a like a deeply personal journey for me uh, in discovering that it's about it's about Jesus, not about the Bible. Because you know, I went to Bible college, I went to a Christian Bible college. I sat in Bible classes, and the funny thing is, is in those classes, I I heard, okay, look at the context, look at the history, look at the the, the language, the audience, etc. And those are the the things that we should be doing in order to inform us about this God, you know, uh, who inspired these words. And then you get into ministry in a ministry context and people are just glossing over all of that stuff. And for me, this past year, as I've I've dove deep into uh, materials from people who are really thinking about this stuff and really unpacking all the history and the context and things like that. I have fallen deeper in love, not necessarily with the scriptures, which I have, but I've fallen deeper in love with Jesus. Uh, I just feel like my faith is stronger because I've actually taken it to this place where I, it's about Jesus and not just about these words on a page. I think that's what I want to say. We want to move oftentimes, not only do we just have the Bible says it, so I had to believe it, period, but sometimes we just have a, um, as long as I go to a couple, as long as my church attendance is good, my relationship with God is good too, and, and, and those, we miss a lot of life in those things. Mm-hmm. We have an event coming up to celebrate Easter, and what is Easter truly about? Pam, will you tell us when that is and what's happening? Yes, we are going to be um, back at the beautiful Bernardo Winery on April 20th, the Saturday before Easter. At Priester. Priester. April 20th. <laughs> April 20th, uh, 4 o'clock. And um, if you joined us for our um, communal table event, it was uh, beautiful and wonderful and everything we dreamed it should be. And so we're hoping to recreate that environment and um, celebrate some Easter. Yeah. Talk about the event that the, sparked the movement, the movement. Mm-hmm. that resulted in the Bible. Yes. <laughs> in that order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We're so glad you're on this uncommon journey with us. We'll talk to you next time. Peace out. Yeah.